1: This is the PFT
2: PM Podcast, and now, your host, Mike Florio.
3: Monday edition of the PFTPM Podcast, no prep edition. I'm going to look at profootballtalk.com, those hacks. Going to check the Twitter feed, going to answer your questions, and also, at the end, we will play the audio of our Sunday night ritual, Rodney Harrison, Tony Dungy, Mike Tirico, and I, with four or five topics about the day that was from the football night in America big desk they let me sit at the grown-ups table for that which is kind of fun so that'll be at the end of the show if I remember to throw to it for now let's get to some of the news and before I get started I'm looking at Twitter and I don't do worldwide trends I do U.S. trends because frankly I don't care if it's beyond our borders should I tell me why I should Michael Irvin is on the trending topics. Went ballistic on ESPN's first take. I saw a little clip of this. I saw a guy who was sweating profusely. Profusely. And a guy who was just over the top. Like, this is his chance to get back on ESPN or something. I don't know. Remember he was with ESPN? And then ESPN let him go? Remember he had an incident where he didn't tell ESPN about it? There was like a pipe. A marijuana pipe back when people cared about people smoking marijuana. And he didn't let them know, and I think his contract expired and they let him go or something like that. He's been at NFL Network for a while. I remember he had that incident where he was accused of some sort of misconduct out in Florida and ultimately wasn't prosecuted, but the NFL never really gave anyone an answer about why he did or didn't or would or wouldn't be facing scrutiny under the personal conduct policy because the same... Rules that apply to players apply to NFL employees, including NFL network employees. That just never really went anywhere. And I think the bottom line is they don't want to get him off the air because he's very animated. He's very good. He's very entertaining. I don't know what the deal was today, but he's still trending. Hours after the show went off the air for the day, Michael Irvin still trending because of his performance on First Take. Live in Dallas. I still don't know why they call it First Take. It comes on at 10 a.m. It's not first take. If it was only like 5 a.m., I could understand it. Why is it called first take at 10 a.m.? Is that like a subtle diss at everything else that's on ESPN before that? Is that a middle finger to get up? Is that up yours, get up? I'm spending way too much time talking about a network that not nearly as many people watch as they used to, and I know ESPN people get pissy when you say that, but it's true. All right, what's going on in the National Football League today? One thing that I want to talk about is the decision to move the Jaguars Steelers game out of the primetime spot in week 11. And I mention it for a couple of reasons. First of all, when the schedule initially came out back in April, and I saw that the two big games for the Jaguars, Steelers, Patriots, both at home. Well, Eagles was also at home, but it ended up being at home in London. But once I saw that, that the Patriots game was week two on a Sunday afternoon, and that the Steelers game was week 11 at night, I said, you know, there's a chance that game is not going to stay in that spot because there's a chance that the Jaguars aren't going to be what the Jaguars were last year. And I got a lot of people in Jacksonville pissed at me. I had a lot of people tell me, well, it's still the Steelers, so they won't flex that game out of there because people will want the Steelers in prime time. And, okay, just let's wait and see what happens because I think there's a chance that game's going to get flexed out of that spot. And I'd forgotten about it until... I got the news today that the Vikings and the Bears would move into that spot. Now, I think this is a precursor. And let's just be clear on this. The flex decision is an NFL decision, not an NBC decision. And to the extent that NBC is involved in those conversations or strategies or anything, I'm not involved at all. So I feel like I can say whatever the hell I want about the flexing or the non-flexing. And one thing I want to say about the Steelers being flexed out of week 11, I think they're going to be flexed into week 13 because there's nothing else to replace San Francisco at Seattle, the currently scheduled week 13 Sunday night football game. There's Minnesota, New England, but chances are that's been protected because the folks at Fox undoubtedly looked at that and said, there's really nothing else the rest of the day that could be flexed so let's squat on this one, and that's that. So I think Chargers-Steelers ends up getting flexed week 13, and I think the flexing of the Steelers out of week 11 is kind of a hint that the flex into Sunday Night Football week 13 is coming. One other thing about the flexing, and again, and look, I'm always going to speak my mind, and every once in a while that means somebody from 345 Park Avenue calls somebody from NBC, and then I get a phone call, and Yada yada yada, you know, and 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 that's fine, right? That's fine. People are allowed to express their opinions. NBC has never muzzled me, and I have a different standard for whose air I'm on when. When it's PFT, the website, I can say whatever I want, I've got a contractual clause that allows me final say in anything that gets on that website. When it's NBC Sports Radio, I feel like there's another level of thing that I can say. Now, obviously, it's FCC regulated. I still am going to be more candid there than if it's NBC TV, NBC main three letter network. I'm only going to say what they tell me I can say. And it's all planned out ahead of time. NBC when we do the simulcast of PFT live, no one tells me what to say or what not to say, but I know that if I go too far, I'm going to hear about it. And I try to be more respectful in that space. Not that I'm being disrespectful. I just, it's a weird kind of a stew of standards. And you have to have a gut feeling. Now, for this PFTPM podcast, whatever the hell I want. This is the audio version of the website. And actually, I'm more likely to be looser here because those of us who speak into a microphone still have this weird sense that things we say evaporate into the ether, even though they're forever preserved digitally. But when you write it, you have to look at the words. When you speak it, it just comes out of your mouth. And yes. Anything you say can and will be held against you, but there is a fundamental difference between reeking, reeking and spiting, or speaking and writing. There's, Yes, definitely. Reeking and spiting. That pretty much sums up what I do best. All right. Uh, anyway, with that extended unnecessary caveat, the Bears should be pissed that they got flexed into Sunday Night Football for Week 11, because they play Thanksgiving Day in the early game. They got about 84 hours, by my calculation, which may not be accurate, to turn around after playing a black and blue division game against the Vikings at home, and then a black and blue division game against the Lions on the road. So look, I know it makes for a better primetime game, and fine, it's fair, I get it, but we've already been down this road. It was back in Twenty sixteen when Washington played a Sunday night game and then played the Cowboys in the middle spot. Remember there's three games on Thanksgiving. The twelve thirty Eastern, the four twenty, four thirty, whatever, and then the eight o'clock Eastern. Troy Vincent, the executive VP of football operations, said two years ago, that's tough and we'll have to look at that. Not that's tough like tough crap. That's tough and we'll have to look at that. Ideally, that's not something we would like to have. And that was Washington playing Sunday night and then playing Thanksgiving afternoon this is the early game. This is the game that starts earlier than any other regular season game ever starts of the year. No game starts at 12 30 p.m. Eastern. And you've got a team that just played on Sunday night. What if they go to overtime on Sunday night? What if they go five quarters on Sunday night? Or I guess four quarters and 66.6666 infinity percent of a quarter on Sunday night. Just something for the Bears to be a little feisty about. Le'Veon Bell said farewell to Pittsburgh. No, but, eh, eh, fair, I'm, boy, this was off to a good start. Now I'm just shitting the bed. Le'Veon Bell tweeted farewell Miami. He misspelled farewell, which caused me to think that maybe PFT Commenter had hacked his account. And I assume, although who knows? Who knows? He, he may just be messing with people. There's a, there's a chance he's trolling. But when he says farewell to Miami, there's a chance that he's going to say hello to Pittsburgh. And this would be an intriguing week for him to show up in Pittsburgh because there is no way in hell that they're going to play him on Thursday night against the Panthers. And there's a chance that how we got to this point is as follows. Remember when he was supposed to show up I got the record in fact book here. It was the week the Steelers started their buy. I think that was the, what is that? Week seven, one, two, three, four, five, six. It was week seven, the Tuesday of week seven, the Tuesday before the week seven games. He was going to show up that week and then all of a sudden he didn't. My theory is, or was, that either he got nervous that the Steelers were going to trade him after he signed his franchise tender or, or he was ready to come back they pointed out to him they have the right to put him on roster exempt status for two weeks, and they also have the right to pay him less than eight hundred fifty-five thousand a week. And how can we pay you eight fifty-five a week when James Conner is making six hundred grand for the full season? And look at the workload he's doing. Wouldn't be fair to James Conner to give you eight fifty-five a week to do nothing. And if that's how it went down, he very well may have said, "Well, screw this. I'm out." So then he stays away until after the trade deadline. Now week nine has come and gone. And now the Steelers have their week 10 game on Thursday night. So if they're going to pay him less than 855, whatever it is, my guess is they made a proposal about what they're going to pay him. Now that could be subject to change. As of three weeks ago, it was one thing. Maybe it's less now. But I could see Bell saying, if you're going to screw me for two weeks under this roster-exempt nonsense, then I'll show up the week that there's a game Thursday night. Who cares? I ain't playing anyway. So I won't be surprised if he shows up. Now, the question is, do they want him? I don't think they want him. I think that they would like to find a way to both not have him and get some sort of compensation for him. Now, if he shows up and is under contract for six games, he doesn't have to play in six games, just signs his contract before the Tuesday after week 10, that's eight days away. He satisfies this year of the franchise tender, meaning next year, if they franchise tag him again, the amount goes to quarterback money. The other thing they can do if he shows up and signs his franchise tender by the Tuesday after week 10, they can use the transition tag next year as well. And every once in a while, there will be, and I'm not going to name names here, Shefty, there will be this convoluted story that all flows from the pressure that is on most of the NFL insiders to have something different and unique and insightful on Sunday morning, the Sunday Splash report. And there was a report yesterday, and again, I'm not going to name names, about who had this report, but the report was sources, colon, not the actual bodily part, the two dots, sources, colon, Steelers can use fran- uh, transition tag on leave Bell. Well, no shit. Of course they can. We've known that. So much of the stuff that's being talked about now that we get closer and closer to the end of the road here is shit we've known about for months. And it's being repackaged as news. Sources say that the Steelers can use the transition tag on Le'Veon Bell next year. And because he has yet to report and earn any of his money, it would not be 120% of $14.54 million. But instead, it would be the normal transition tag in the range of 9 to 10 million. Okay, fine. Fine. So the Steelers are going to use it? We know they can. Are they going to use the transition tag, which gives them a right to match an offer sheet that he signs with another team and nothing else? That's all it gives them. You can sign an offer sheet with another team and the Steelers have a right to match. If they don't match it, they get no compensation from that team. It's not like the franchise tag. It's not like the restricted free agency tender. The transition tender is nothing but a right to match well, are they going to match? Are they really going to match when James Conner has emerged as one of the best young dual threat tailbacks in the NFL? Are the Steelers really going to match a $70 million guarantee or $18 million a year, whatever the Jets sign him to? And I say the Jets are the team to watch. I think Mike McKagan hinted at that strongly last week. Although, I mean, he could been talking about anybody, but they, they plan to spend baby They got the cap space, they got the cash, and they're going to spend it. And I could see them going after Le'Veon Bell because having a great tailback is one way to make your young franchise quarterback perform a heck of a lot better. So anyway, let me continue to summarize. The flow chart. I wish I could draw you a flow chart here. I wish this was a video and I had a chalkboard or a grease board or something or an overhead projector. Choices are over the next eight days, very simple. If he shows up, and signs his tender, Steelers can do the franchise tag next year at about 25 million. They won't do that. They can do the transition tag. Thank you. Thank you. They can, but why would they? And if they do, are they really going to match? No. But then, if they either do the transition tag and don't match, or they just don't tag him at all after he shows up by the Tuesday after week 10, he gets a ticket to free agency, and the Steelers get credit Toward compensatory draft picks in 2020 for his departure. Now, if he doesn't show up by next Tuesday, the Steelers can re-tag him next year at 14.54 million. They can franchise-tag him again with compensation. They they did the exclusive tag this year. Now I think oh, ah, ah no he didn't now they, ah, oh. I'm, I'm incorrect. I have to go back and look at this, but I think they did the exclusive tag this year. And if a guy sits out the full season under the exclusive tag, if they would franchise tag him again next year, I think they would use the same number, but but the compensation would be a first round and a third round pick. I remember a couple of years ago, Von Miller was thinking about sitting out the whole year while under the exclusive franchise tag. Now, look, here's here's the point. Whatever the compensation would be, I think the Steelers, if Bell doesn't show up by next Tuesday, the Steelers would consider tagging him again simply because they could then trade him out from under the franchise tag next year, which is what they would do. Or just sit back and let somebody sign him and give up a first round and a third round pick. And the one and a three is important because then that becomes the ceiling for the compensation. See, for the normal franchise tag, the ceiling on the compensation is two ones. The ceiling on the compensation next year would be a one and a three. So maybe the Steelers get less for him. I don't know. They supposedly wanted a second round pick for him before the trade deadline, but they would get something, which means they would be inclined to use the franchise tag on him next year and then either rescind the tender if they can't get anyone to trade for him or do a deal where you say to Le'Veon Bell, go find a trade partner, go find, you know, whatever they're going to pay you, that's fine. And here's what we want. We want a second round pick. You find somebody who will give you that, and we'll sign the paperwork, and everything will happen. That's how it would work if he doesn't sign by next Tuesday. So, those are the options. Now, Ed Bouchette of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette said today that the Steelers won't rescind the tender, in part because there's a concern that Le'Veon Bell would go straight for Baltimore or New England if he were suddenly to become a free agent. So, Look, they've never shown an inclination to rescind the franchise tag, but now that the season has matured and the Steelers have become contenders, there's a reason to keep Bell away from your top competitors. And the Patriots, given their issues at running back, Sony Michel missed another game. They're using Cordell Patterson for crying out loud, although maybe they don't need Le'Veon Bell the way Cordell Patterson has been playing. The Ravens could use Le'Veon Bell as they try to turn the season around. So I can understand why the Steelers... Would not rescind the tender. Also, remember, if they rescind the tender, they get nothing. They get no compensation. Ordinarily, they'd be eligible for compensation for 2019 via compensatory draft picks, but because they have two guys they signed as unrestricted free agents, and if Bell would be set free with his franchise tender rescinded, they would have two losses. It's a net of zero. It's no compensation. Now, Shireen Williams texted me an idea today, and I'd have to research this to see if this would fly. She said, what if the Steelers welcome Bell back, he signs his tender, and then they cut him? What would happen then? Well, I think they can cut him. It's just the franchise tender remains guaranteed, but he would be subject to waivers. So, one way to keep him away from the Ravens or the Patriots would be to roll the dice on cutting Le'Veon Bell after he returns. Let's say he comes back, and it's like, if you just look at anybody funny, we're cutting you, right? I mean, you can tell when a guy wants to be there and doesn't want to be there. I mean, there's a difference between engaging in the kind of activity that could get you fined or suspended for conduct detrimental to the team and just being an asshole. Like, when someone is, is committed to being an asshole, they exude assholeness. Assholeness? assholishness they they you can sense it you walk into the room and you can sense it if he acts like that and they decide all right forget it they wave him and then what happens the raiders get dibs the brown not that they want to win games the browns would have dibs the jets not the jets the cardinals would have dibs maybe the jets would put in a claim form they they far enough down, maybe it'd be a nice little, hey, come on, uh, Le'Veon, uh, let's a little test run. Why wouldn't the Jets put in a claim for him? The Jets alone would keep him from getting to the Patriots or the Ravens. So remember, the waiver thing is just like fantasy football, right? It, it's based on how bad you are. The, the bad teams go first, and uh, it would be the Raiders, Cardinals, 49ers, the one-win, two-win teams would have dibs, but here are the Jets with, with three wins, I could see them putting in the claim. So that would that would be uh, that would be a little outside the box if the Steelers would do that. But hey, I think at this point we have to we have to look at anything that possibly could happen. Vance Joseph addressed the comments that Bill O'Brien seemed to make. Lip readers out there believe that after Vance Joseph opted to kick a 62-yard field goal that missed, and then iced the Texans kicker after they added some yardage the other way to get a late field goal at the end of the second quarter. Bill O'Brien said something along the lines of, and and I can't, oh, it's, it's like nice job or Vance. You could see him saying Vance and dumb F. Yeah, possibly, possibly. O'Brien denied that last night. He hasn't been asked about it at either his Sunday postgame press conference or his Monday press conference. Unless it was scrubbed out of the transcript. But, uh, He he said that he was yelling something to someone on the special teams unit. So, anyway, Vance Joseph said uh, he hasn't seen it. Uh, Their PR specialist, Patrick Smythe, informed me something was going on, but come on, I'm not concerned or focused on that. So, that's that. Cowboys thinking about an extension for Amari Cooper. Let me tell you something. Do they understand how this works? He's making, under the rules of the first round pick and the top 10 pick, I think it's 13.924, right? 13.924 million. So that's his salary for 2019. Under the franchise tag, he'd make 16.7 million in 2020. You add those two up, you got 30 million fully guaranteed right out of the gates. Why are we even talking if you're not offering me $30 million fully guaranteed right out of the gates. And I guarantee you, Joel Siegel, his agent, the same guy that represented Khalil Mack and engineered his escape from Oakland, they're, they're not going to give the Cowboys a discount. There's no hometown discount to give. It's not a hometown. He just joined them. I could see the Cowboys wanting to justify the first round draft pick they gave up to get Amari Cooper coming in with some sort of an offer that doesn't reflect the mathematical realities of his fifth-year option because if you want to sign him to a long-term deal, at a minimum, he should want what he's going to make next year, plus what he would make under the first year of the franchise tag, fully guaranteed at signing. Otherwise, let's just go. Let's play it out. And I'll hit the open market. Oh, they won't pay you on the open market? Yeah, that's what they said about Sammy Watkins. Good players, when they get to the open market, get paid. Now, I don't know how good Amari Cooper is, but if you're kind of maybe a good player, if you've shown that you've got the skills, I mean, look at it this way. The guy's good enough that The Cowboys gave up a first-round pick to get him. I think at a certain point, you say, okay, he hits the market. He's going to get a good contract. So I can see why the Cowboys want to do it, but I think that Cooper and his agent, Joel Siegel, are just going to laugh at them. Bruce Arians says that he would come out of retirement to coach the Browns. A couple of things here. First of all, I thought he was retired. Now this guy like retires and then he comes back. He's like the Brett Favre of coaches. Second of all, the Cardinals may have something to say about this because the Cardinals still had him under contract, I think for at least another year. So if he would come back, and I remember the Steelers were kind of making some noise about this back when it looked like Bill Cowher was just going to take a break for a year or two in network TV and then go coach a team that would pay him top of the market I mean my theory was and it still is that Cowher knew the Steelers were never going to pay him what Paul Allen was paying Mike Holmgren in Seattle and Bill Cowher beat Holmgren in Super Bowl 40 and Cowher's never going to get that kind of money from the Rooney's. so I resign and then I wait a year or two and then I come back and I take Dan Snyder's money or I take Paul Allen's money or I take somebody's money that's going to pay me the kind of money the Steelers will never pay a coach. And I remember hearing from people in the Steelers organization, hey, if that happens, we want compensation because we still have them under contract for a year. And I think the way the tampering policy works, that would bear that out. So that's a separate issue. But on top of it, look, this is an example of what I've been talking about. They're going to be lining up out the door to try to coach the Browns because of Baker Mayfield. And the threshold question The most important thing that can be assessed as it relates to the next Cleveland coach, I wrote about this yesterday at PFT, who is making the decision? Is it John Dorsey? If it's John Dorsey, he is going to aspire to hire someone who will not come in and make him into Reggie McKenzie like John Gruden did in Oakland. If it's ownership, they don't care if John Dorsey loses some of his juice. They want the guy that's going to be best suited to help Baker Mayfield become Brett Favre. Or better. Who's making the decision as to who the coach will be? And look, I don't know anything about Dorsey's relationship with Bruce Arians. I'm going to find out, though. Has there been any cross-pollination? Has there been any relationship? They may not like each other. Arians is kind of an outspoken guy. Dorsey's kind of a lead-with-your-chin kind of a guy. Lead with a, a chin that's chomping on a bunch of gum, buddy boy. Maybe they don't get along. But what Arians is saying makes sense because this is going to be the best job available unless Andy Reid walks away let's say Andy Reid wins a super bowl and says that's it I'm out then the chiefs job becomes the best job available for now i'd say the browns job is going to be the best one available unless somebody else out there with a franchise quarterback decides they're going to get rid of their coach but 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 keep an eye on that cuz we're going to start hearing more and more names and i think arians You know, it's going to spark an urgency. And I think there are coaches currently employed by other teams, head coaches currently employed by other teams, who are going to want to try to get to Cleveland. And they're going to put the word out there. That's one of the benefits from the Browns' perspective of making the change now. Because you make the change now, you got two months to figure out who you want. And anybody out there who may want the job, that either you are interested in or you haven't thought of, they have two months to make it known that they're interested in you. So pay attention to that. All right, here's what we're going to do. That's enough time to ramble about the things that are happening in the NFL. I don't think I've missed anything huge. And if I did, here's hoping that one of the questions that have been asked today, and there's 58 of them, folks, I can't do 58 today. I got to throw to this, this uh, audio with Tirico, Dungy, and Rodney. All right, let's see what we got here. PFTPM posse is the fact that the Cowboys are already discussing a contract extension for Amari Cooper, a microcosm. Aha. That's the Chris Sims word of the day of the issues with the organization as a whole since Jarrah named himself GM. Yeah, I'm. look, it's stupid. It's stupid to be talking about it. It's stupid to be thinking about it. And if they want to do it, there's one way to do it. 19.2. they're glad I'm negotiating a contract. I give the guy a raise for nothing. 13.9, 20% spike for 2020. You add it together and that's that. PFTPM Posse via Jay Randall 15. When the NFL Network sets up an advertising marketing deal with the Queen Bohemian Rhapsody movie that uses the players as props... Does the NFLPA or players get anything from that? I'd assume whatever money the NFL got through this not-so-subtle marketing deal for the Bohemian Rhapsody movie, that that flows into the broader pot that gets shared with the players, I assume. I mean, it was obvious last Sunday for the Eagles-Jaguars game, even though they didn't mention the movie, when every bumper to break and return from break is playing a Queen song and they're over the top pointing out the music, this is a broader not so subtle marketing play. And then they had, uh, on Friday morning, an interview of the guys in the movie. Yeah. I mean, whatever money the NFL is making from that, I, I assume is eligible to be split up among the players in the league. Oh, 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 this is, but this is a bonus content question. Why can't we be a nation of immigrants like we have been historically, as well as a nation that has strong borders? I, I, uh, I'm not comfortable getting into any political topics without, uh, ending the podcast and saying, if you want to keep listening, keep listening. But I do think it's possible to have strong borders. It's possible to welcome immigrants. My concern is this, and I'm going to try to say this in the most apolitical way possible. My concern is that some of those who are insisting on strengthened borders are using that concept as a pretext for slamming the door On immigrants generally that it's cover for we don't want anybody in here who isn't already one of us even though all of us came to be by virtue of the fact that we immigrated in some way my family came from Italy both sides everyone except the Native Americans immigrated to this country so anyway enough of that tomorrow there may be bonus content because it's election day but for now uh, but I agree you can have both. I just, I'm not sure that there are people who want both. I think there are some that just want the borders and also let's uh, slam the door on on the legitimate ways to make people citizens of this country. PFTP and Posse, why are more people talking about Miami? Why are, aren't, let me, let me get that right. Why aren't more people talking about Miami Dolphins safety Rashad Jones pulling himself out of the game on Sunday against the Jets and refusing to reenter due to issues with the team? If a player leaves the field one second early, it's a huge deal But crickets here. You know why there's crickets? Because nobody cares about the Dolphins right now. The Dolphins are irrelevant. The Dolphins are an irrelevant team that was playing an irrelevant team. So nobody cares. They win a few more games or something happens. You know, if the issues continue, then maybe it hits the radar screen. But think about it. We got a Sunday full of games. One of the most impactful Sundays of the year. Great games in every window. And so as we're watching Saints-Rams and then Packers-Patriots, do we really care whether Rashad Jones left the game... At halftime, and then refused to re-enter. We've already seen it happen this year with Vontae Davis. At least cross some new bridge. Terry against the 14, can I make a guest request? Hopefully, because I'm going to. 36 Westbrook, that's Brian Westbrook. And we've tried to get him in the past. He's been on PFT Live. Maybe we can get him for a lengthy PFT PM podcast. Matt Casey listens to these, I think, and he knows Brian Westbrook well. Maybe we can get Westbrook for an afternoon podcast. If the, if the Eagles can like get to the right side of 500. Terry Gensler wants to know what I think of the Michael Thomas touchdown celebration. I liked it, but he's going to get fined. I mean, just because you can use the ball as a prop, just because you can use the pylons as a prop, because you can go to the ground, because you can, you know, do all the things that you used to not be allowed to do. You can't hide props. You're still going to get fined for hiding a prop. And for Joe Horn, it was like 30 grand, I think. So, yeah, that's uh, that's something that Michael Thomas needs to be concerned about. And then people can going to say, oh, no fun league. He still did it. Like, oh, it's the no fun league strikes again. He still did it. We still had fun. It's just he's got to pay for it. But I think he's good for it. I, and I think that he'll make plenty more. Icaro Franco, if Bruce Arians may come back, why aren't the pick? Packers writing him a blank check right now. Well, and you know, that may be Arians' way. And Arians is a smart guy. Arians is sly. He's crafty. That may be his way of getting his name out there, generally. Because maybe a job with a franchise quarterback that wasn't otherwise going to come open is now going to come open because Bruce Arians is interested. Maybe that's what happens. Maybe now, well, now we know. Mark Murphy, Packers CEO, he catches wind of this Bruce Arians thing. Well, here's a guy that I could maybe hire to try to get a Super Bowl or two out of Aaron Rodgers on the way out the door. Good thought there, Icaro Franco. Mike Florio's toupee asks, is it adjustment day? No, Saturday's adjustment day. I've been going three weeks between toupee adjustments. I get a little shaggy. You know, and, and when you, the gray starts to be more noticeable. I think I should just keep it shorter. Hair gel and short hair makes the, uh, the gray less noticeable. So... And and I we talked about this the other day because Mike Gundy's got that black helmet of hair, and he's like a year younger than me. It's like, dude, you know, here's the thing: once you once you do the deal with the devil that his hair die, when do you stop? Play this out for me. Any guy out there, whether you're on TV or not, because I see plenty of guys just because I can spot it you can spot, here's why you can spot it because the guy's 70 and his hair's jet black, right He's buying that crap down aisle three at the grocery store and he's putting his hair and it makes it jet black. But guys everywhere and I, who tells them it looks good? What do they see when they look in the mirror? Because here's the thing once you climb on that horse, there is no easy way off of it. I remember when Bob Barker was on The Price Is Right and he had that brown Ronald Reagan hair color. Not, and it, presumably Ronald Reagan never colored his hair, but who knows? But uh, oh, it, it, yeah, yeah, presidents not telling the truth. I mean, what a shock! But uh, I remember like Barker took a week off or two and he came back and he had that shock of white hair. And most people now remember him. He's still alive, as having that shock of white hair when he was on The Price Is Right. He had that brown. He's st- he's st- he was all in. And I mean, there's a point where, like at what point in your life do you just like completely drop the curtain and it, and by then it's probably going to be all white. So wouldn't that be funny if there's a guy that dyed his hair for like 20 years and he stopped dyeing his hair and it, it's the same color. All right. Anyway, uh, no toupee, no hair dye here. No toupee yet. Uh, hopefully won't need one. Hopefully I probably won't live long enough to need one based upon how much hair I currently have and how old I currently am. Burn unit. I always hear that Elway should have hired Kyle Shanahan rather than Vance Joseph as it would have been a done deal. Do you think Kyle would have taken the Broncos over the 49ers? I'm glad it didn't come down, down to that. Look, here's the thing. It's easy to say Kyle Shanahan now, but Mike Shanahan and John Elway did not have a great relationship. And I think there was a concern that if you hire Kyle Mike is going to be in the weeds somewhere, potentially undermining what John Elway is trying to do. So I think there's a concern there. And Elway was all in with Vance Joseph. That's why if this Vance Joseph thing doesn't work, it's a horrible reflection on Elway. Horrible. I'm skipping over things I've already addressed in the podcast, so I'm not ignoring your questions. There's no reason to go back and address it again. Jerry Bissett, when Sims was talking about the amount of times hashtag Tommy throws to his first read as all play design is some of it on Tommy knowing where the weaknesses are and where he wants to go. I, yeah, here's here's my take on, on uh, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Tom Brady will kill you before the snap and Aaron Rodgers will kill you after the snap. Because Tom Brady will walk up to the line of scrimmage and he will process what he sees and what is happening and who's on the field and how they're moving through that database in his brain of thousands of iterations. And he will know what's coming and he will know where the open receiver is going to be and he will know who to throw it to and he will make a quick throw or i mean look he doesn't always make a quick throw but a lot of times he knows exactly where the ball is going and he gets rid of it quickly aaron rodgers will hold the ball move around and wait for a guy to be open not in the sense that he would be open for i don't know every other quarterback that's ever lived but open enough for Aaron Rodgers, and he'll deliver the ball, and he'll kill you. And look, it was happening last night. L- last night's game, and I think this is the context where Chris Sims used his new favorite word, microcosm. Aaron Rodgers getting hot, entering the zone as the third quarter ends. couple of completed passes. He's got that same vibe that we saw against the Bears in primetime, against the 49ers in primetime. Here we go. Here it comes. Here it is. And then what happens? Aaron Jones fumbles on the first snap of the fourth quarter. Terry Gensler, if John Harbaugh pledges allegiance to Lamar Jackson and plays him over Joe Flacco, does that give Harbaugh at least one more year? I don't know. I don't know. And look, I I think the organization has been waiting for the day where they can politely tell Joe Flacco, get the hell out of here. Because, look, after he won the Super Bowl, he drove a hard bargain. He did something we rarely see a player do. He had the team over the barrel, and he took full advantage of it. And the way he structured the contract three years later, he had him over the barrel again, and he took full advantage of it. And he's not living up to it. So it makes it very easy for them to say, we're moving on. Now, if he was earning it, it'd be different. But I think they're salty about the way this all came to be. And I think they can't wait for the opportunity to tell Joe Flacco to move on. And I think it's getting closer. That may have been Flacco's last Raven Steelers game that we saw yesterday. C.J. Newman says, living in Baltimore and having lived through the Brian Billick era, I can tell you it's not over for Mr. Harbaugh in Baltimore yet. And the other factor they have to consider, the possibility he shows up in Cleveland. So you fire Harbaugh and he shows up in your division, motivated to kick your ass twice a year. Terry Gensler, do you think Joe Flacco blatantly ignores Lamar Jackson when he's on the field? He missed him on a wide open play yesterday and never looked his direction. That was, we were watching that. Now, I I got a retort for you there, Terry Gensler, but... Remember the game against the Broncos when Lamar Jackson, he was out left wide. He came in motion toward the middle of the field, like near the tackle box, and then went back, and you could see how all the Broncos players were moving with him. And the handoff was the A-gap on the right side, and there wasn't enough Denver defenders there to make the tackle. So yesterday, Lamar Jackson goes in motion left to right, and Joe Flacco gets the snap, and he looks into the end zone, and Lamar Jackson is wide open, wide open in the right front corner of the end zone as he's looping in, and Flacco doesn't even look there, and we're thinking, oh, well, he doesn't want to throw it to Lamar Jackson, doesn't want to make him a star, but then later in the game, same deal, and Jackson was covered, and Flacco forced it in. I just think, i tell you what, something changed for me with Flacco in that Panthers game when he was running out of bounds, and he was like clearly out of bounds, and and he threw the ball away and he threw it back in bounds and it got intercepted. I, I was like, what? Really? So, yeah, I, I think the end is near. I think it's much more near for Flacco than it is for Harbaugh. Tyler Furness, according to ESPN, the Vikings lose out on a third-round compensatory pick because Sam Bradford got cut. What are the rules with guys signing and getting a pick for it? This this whole knee-jerk reaction that you get a third-round compensatory pick because a guy with a recognizable name ends up signing elsewhere in free agency, it doesn't work that way. There aren't nearly as many third-round picks being given out in the compensatory process as people think. But apparently there's a deadline for cutting a guy in his first year with your team, and if you cut him by then, then the team that lost him in free agency loses the credit it's it's all it all comes down to this for unrestricted free agents guys who become free agents by virtue of their contracts expiring not a guy who gets cut if a guy gets cut in february or march and he signs with another team it has no relevance whatsoever these are guys who became free agents because their contracts expired how many did you lose how many did you sign and one thing i learned this year if the net is zero you don't get any compensatory draft picks. Even if you lost your starting quarterback and your starting tailback and you signed a long snapper and a kicker. If it's net of zero, you don't get compensatory draft picks. And, you know, the smart teams know how to work this to their advantage. The Ravens are one of the teams that really know how to work this. They really are good at, at signing the right guys and letting the right guys go. So apparently by cutting Bradford over the weekend, the Cardinals... Will keep the Vikings from getting that compensatory draft pick consideration, and everybody's kind of in competition when it comes to compensatory draft picks because they're extra picks at the end of a round. So, let's say the Vikings would have ended up after this season. I'm just throwing it out there. Let's say between their net free agency gains and losses, because they lost Case Keenum, they lost Sam Bradford, they lost Teddy Bridgewater. L- let's say it would have been a, a an extra. I don't, I don't know. I don't even want to throw out a number. My point is this: Let's say that the difference is a fifth rounder. That's one less pick that's in front of the Cardinals as they move into round six. So, you know, that works. Uh, Terry Gensler, have you ever appeared on or been invited on to a serious XM NFL radio show? Yeah, I've been on, I've been on, uh, I don't know, it works out to like maybe three, four times a year. Maybe. They've never offered me anything. Not that I would take it. I, I got a pretty good gig at NBC Sports Radio that I'm not inclined to give up. Um, I, I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't, I, some of the shows they'll, they'll have me on some of them uh, you know, it's, I, look, I got enough radio that I do. I'm not gonna to go down this rabbit hole. I don't have any type of rivalry or issue with Sirius XM NFL radio. I'm, I think maybe one of the executives there isn't a big fan, but that's okay. We are my, and, and let me, let me just answer it this way. Our shows on Sirius XM NFL radio? We li- I mean it's not on Sirius XM NFL radio. it's on Sirius XM. So we're part of the family. It's just NFL radio for whatever reason. Yeah, they don't, but, but I, I'm too busy. And and I like to get, uh, w- one thing I learned after doing this for about six or seven years, when you're providing radio stations with quality, compelling, entertaining content, at a certain point, you, you have to get paid for it because everybody else is getting paid. And the easy way to get paid when you're good on radio is to tell them, why don't you find a sponsor and let's just split the money. Go out and get some jewelry store, this, that, or the other thing, and they sponsor the spot and we split the money. And then they get to mention this segment is brought to you by Joe's Jewelry Store, and yeah, so. But I back to SiriusXM NFL Radio. I've been on. I don't know. I'd say it works out to about three times a year. Um, it's been a while, and then Adam Shine every once in a while have me on. He's on Mad Dog now, so. But uh, but anyway, that answers the question. There's no there's no issues. There's no issues. The way I was answering the question, it implies there's some sort of an issue. I remember hearing at one point that there was one of the executives that wasn't a big fan, but that was years ago. That's water under the bridge. So, and I don't know if I ever said anything about anybody who was on there. You know, there was a time with the website where I would just kind of like say whatever I want, kind of like I am now, but even worse. And uh, yeah, you piss people off that way. So anyway, um... Who knows? You never know how the dominoes are going to fall in this crazy world that we operate in. I'm perfectly happy with NBC and I hope to stay with NBC for the entirety of my career, but you never know where you're going to end up. And I'd like to think that we do a sufficiently compelling and comprehensive and informative radio show that, that, uh, others would be interested in the event that, uh, we're ever in a position where NBC tells us politely to get the hell out like the Ravens are going to do with Joe Flacco. All right. Uh, Let's see what else we got here. On tour forever. Would the Packers ever consider firing Mike McCarthy midseason? He's absolutely ruining Rodgers' best years. You know, they haven't haven't seemed to be inclined to hold his feet to the fire yet. But maybe it's different now. Maybe with Brian Gutekunst there as the GM and an apparent commitment to spending on players. And Mark Murphy now directly supervising Mike McCarthy. Maybe this is going to be it. If they don't make the playoffs this year, look, at a certain point, you got to say, you have wasted the best years of Aaron Rodgers' career. Aaron Rodgers has to be pissed. He has to be. When he looks around, when he sees Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and all the help that, that Brady has, what's Aaron Rodgers have? Now I sound like Chris Sims. On tour forever, why Sam Boyd Stadium in Las Vegas been ruled out for the Raiders next year other than the infernal heat. If it's a technology thing, can't they just do the upgrades in the next nine months or so? I don't know. It's been ruled out. I once I know it's ruled out, I, I just I I'm not going to figure out why. I don't care. It's ruled out. On tour forever. Better question coming up for you here, Rob G. Kiss with makeup, but not all the original members, or without makeup but with Peter and Ace. I make it's got to be the makeup, the makeup show. I never. They, you know they were around from early 80s until 96, and they were touring. And I was living in Pittsburgh and they were in Pittsburgh. I never had any inclination to go to a kiss show when they, when they weren't doing the whole makeup routine. And I guess they still did a lot of the same stuff with the fire and the, and the theatrics and the, you know, and all the stuff. But I, 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 uh, no, no, I, I would take, I, I, I am excited. It's nice to have, in, one of the keys to life is always have something you're looking forward to other than your own, you know, demise. But you always want to have something out there that's kind of getting you through like the the, 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 slow months and the winter months and the hard months, you know? And so March 30 Pittsburgh kiss on the end of the road tour that I'm looking forward to that. It's nice to have that. It makes me feel like a kid again, like I'm, and it's five months out. So I'll be looking forward to it for five months. So that's great. So thank you kiss for going on your your end of the road tour, because that, uh, that'll, that'll help when it's, you know, the, the, the shorter days. And now this is the first weekday with, it's already dark and it's just nice to have that little thing to look forward to. It's always nice to have some little thing that you're looking forward to, to get you through the rough days when they come. And hopefully there weren't, there aren't many rough days. Well, I can't complain. I'll have many rough days because yeah, I don't work for a living. All right. I should probably wrap this up. Let's see if we got anything else good here. Not that, and how about this? They're all good. Let's see if there is anything that really stands out that I will uh, take the time to answer. Terry Gensler's got a bunch of questions today, and thank you for that. Is John Filippo a serious candidate to get the Browns head coaching job? I don't think he would be. Now, if John Dorsey's making the hire, maybe he is. Because I think Dorsey's going to want a guy who's not going to go in there and try to take over. That's human nature. I would want that. If ownership is making the hire, maybe they listen to a Bruce Arians, John Harbaugh. Maybe they try to make a play for some other guy who's currently a head coach. Maybe they go after Jim Harbaugh. They tried to get him five years ago. The Real forno, taking my girlfriend out for our one-year anniversary tonight. Any advice on where to take her? Well, I got to know more about your budget. I don't want to break your budget there, Tyler. I don't know what you do. Are you the guy that had the nice tickets on the 50 at the Vikings game? Why didn't you take her to the Vikings game yesterday and sit on the 50-yard line with her? Would have been a great game. Memorable. Franchise record 10 sacks. That's what you should have done. You should have asked me over the weekend. All right. I should probably go. Before I go, though. Oh, I like this. Dean Osborne, 42. If Gene Simmons was an NFL player, what position would he play? I'm guessing tackle or guard. I don't think he would accept the reduced profile that goes with being a tackle or a guard. There's nothing anonymous about Mr. Simmons. I think he would be a tight end or a pass rusher. I can't see him playing quarterback, but I could see him being a pass rusher. And just like, you know, he would have that move where he comes around the end and just breathes fire on the quarterback. I think that would probably be a penalty. All right. Uh let's see what else we have. What else do we have? Anything else? I'm looking. I'm looking. Terry Gensler, when is Chris Sims making his next, next podcast appearance? I'll have to ask him to do that. I, I'll ask him to do that after the Notre Dame schedule ends because he's really busy until Notre Dame is over. Once Notre Dame's done, I think I can get him to do it, and he would be good. We have we have a lot of fun. We, and look, he, here's the answer. He makes the, the appearance every day on PFT Live. Well, three days a week. Three hours. No, two hours per day. Three days a week with Chris Sims. But I'll get him on here where we can have a lot more fun and be a lot looser. All right. One last question, which has nothing to do with football. Brian Coons, what drew you toward an Alfa Romeo versus other import luxury competitors? Plain and simple. I drove an Alfa Romeo when I was in Miami, July of 2017 for about, I don't know, five, six hours up and down the coast with my wife. And I thought, you know what? I kind of like this. And uh, um, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe I'll look into getting one of these. And the more research I did, the more I liked it, the more research I did, the more I was fascinated by it. And I never found anything that made me say I shouldn't get it. And I kept wanting to find something because I'll, I'll do that from time to time. I'll, I'll get a wild hair. And it's like, Hey, I really like, to, would like to buy this thing and I'll start looking into it. And it's like, Oh, and no, I don't really want it. And I thought I would do that. It's like, I really don't want to, to get rid of the out. Al- I, I had at the time an Audi RS four, which is kind of a rare car. They only made like 300 of them back in 2008, but it was 10 years old and I had it for a while. And it's like, man, I really like this Alfa Romeo. It's new. It's, it's, and, and I did the research about the engine. And it's just like, wow, this is something. I got to get this. And I kept waiting for that one little shred of evidence that would tell me, don't get it. And I never found it. So I traded the RS4 for the Alfa Romeo. And I really didn't look. I wasn't looking. It wasn't like, hey, it's time to buy a new car. It's just like the Alfa caught my attention. And nothing I saw and nothing I found and nothing I came across during research caused me to say, I shouldn't get it, because all it would have taken was one thing, and I'd still have the RS4 sitting out in the garage. All right, uh, I'm going to go drive the Alfa Romeo now. Here is the segment that we had with Tony Dungy, Rodney Harrison, Mike Tirico from the set of Football Night in America. We'll do an election day edition, tentatively, of the PFT PM podcast, maybe some bonus content in there. Tuesday morning, Peter King will be with me on PFT Live. We're going to do a draft of the NFL figures who would make the best president. And and man this can go a lot of different directions. We're going to have some fun with that and we'll do some reflecting on Cowboys Titans enjoy that game on Monday night and check us out around the clock at profootballtalk.com. Here is the conversation from the set of Football Night in America with Tony Dungy, Rodney Harrison and Mike Tirico. Have a great Monday. A lot of things to discuss today and I want to start with the LA Rams. They got their first loss and you've been sounding the
1: alarm in recent weeks that that defense Could ultimately let the
3: Rams down.
1: What did you see today? Well, every time you look at their offense, because they put up so many big numbers, you get mesmerized and you get caught into the numbers that they put up. But when you look at their defense, time and time again, they continue to uh, miscommunicate, give up big plays. Marcus Peters, he's been one of those guys that
4: was brought in, coached to make big plays. And he's been the most undisciplined player back there. Yeah, there's uh, they have some holes in their defense, but let's not overreact. They lost a the game on the road in New Orleans. A they lot gave of people 45 are 45
1: gonna... points, coach, you have to overreact. This is supposed to be an undefeated team. You said this was the best team in the league, and it's obvious if their offense, even if their offense is scoring 30 some points, if they give up 45, that's not a good
4: recipe. There's a lot of good offenses in the NFC. I'm going to give you a history lesson. Okay. 2006, a team gave up 44 points in December. Lost and the sky was falling, the world was coming to an end, and they were in the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl. But the Rams don't left. have
3: Bob Sanders. <laughs> 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 right?
2: okay. There's no Bob Sanders that's coming to the rescue and for only the Rams. A <laughs> okay. okay. o- o-
4: keep to leave will be
2: back. <laughs> it was the first of the mega games. Right, We we always get the big games every year. That was the first one that felt like it had a little bit more than just one win or one loss in there. And New Orleans, and Tony, you talked about this and you lived this, when you have a dome and a home field advantage, it's so important to get every last game you can get there. And this is just a maybe head-to-head notch that they'd have against the Rams if they end up in a tiebreaker to play a meaningful game down in the dome. And we see how good they are again down there. And even though the Rams lost, I think that they need to have some of these playoff atmosphere-type
3: games, right? Mm -hmm. Because last year they got to the playoffs, and what happened? One and done. So I think they need to go through those growing pains of of getting comfortable being in a tough spot like that. And and
4: I tease Rodney a lot, but he is right about this. If you don't have a great defense, this can happen to you. Uh, This can happen any time in the playoffs. Your offense is just a little bit off, and and you don't win. So uh, I, I, I am with you. If I'm the Rams, I still feel good about my team. But I'm concerned. I've got to get that defense playing better.
3: The Chargers play well on the road in large part because they have no home field advantage, right? Every, <laughs> right. every home game is a road game. They go to Seattle. And, and what a tough spot this is today for them because first home game since the passing of their longtime owner, Paul Allen. Uh, I thought this all was lining up for the Seahawks to win. The Chargers really showed us something today.
1: Yeah, and I, I talked about it in our pregame show. I think the Chargers are the most complete team in the AFC West. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs, and yes, their offense is good, and Patrick Mahomes should be considered in the MVP race. But the Chargers, with the experience of Phillip Rivers, the young athletes that they have on the defensive side of the ball, coaching, like you said in the pregame, they're missing their best player, John
4: Bosa. But they have won Achilles' heel, and it showed up week in and week out, Special their kicking, kicking game. They are struggling, kicking, And in in those tight playoff games, or playoff-type games, that's going to show up.
2: It's going to be addressed again. You get that sense, (laughs) don't you, after watching what happens? And you think about, Kansas City feels like they're here, and then New England's up there, of course, with them, because New England almost has that buy into your mindset of they're going to be there at the end, right? The Chargers are only a game back and they do get one more head-to-head. Now Kansas City won the first head-to-head. But if the Chargers could somehow find a way to win that other head-to-head, they would be even Then we get into all the tiebreaker stuff. So, although it feels like Kansas City's a couple of lengths in front, not so fast.
3: Yeah, and the Chargers, really they've only lost to the Rams and the Chiefs so far this year. And the rest of the schedule hasn't been daunting, but to go to Seattle and win today the way they
4: did. Uh, You know what I love about the Chargers? Nobody's talking about it. I'd feel very good if I'm I'm in Los Angeles and I'm on that team. Hey, we're under the radar. Let's just keep playing. And one, by the
2: way, of these teams that have the good records you mentioned, the Rams have Gurley. Gordon's playing terrific for the Chargers, Camara for the Saints, Hunt for the Chiefs, that like superstar back who can do it out of the backfield in the pass game and be a big factor in the run game. The way guys are creating space, they are becoming the key players on difference making teams right now. You
1: know and as much as we all I think we all like the Rams if Todd Gurley gets hurt, that really changes the complexion of that team. So they're so dependent on one player because he does so much. He sets up play action. He catches the ball. He runs the ball. He does a little bit of everything. If he gets hurt and if he doesn't stay healthy, it changes everything for them.
3: You know, you rattled off a bunch of great running backs. There's a bunch of great quarterbacks. And, you know, we're still halfway through the season roughly, a little bit more than half. MVP, it feels like that is going to be – uh, something that really hinges on
1: what happens down the stretch yeah. but as of right now who, who would you say the MVP is the guy that's impressed me the most has been um, the young Patrick Mahomes I think he's the MVP
4: yeah I've got Mahomes one I, he's what he's done in this first half of the season has been great Todd Gurley number two as, as Rodney said he does so much for them and Drew Brees you can't discount what he's done yeah, one loss and he's playing yep. great football
2: I'm right, right here with you. This side well, of the table is the right side. Well, we, we, had,
3: we had that conversation, Mike, a couple of weeks ago. That between Mahomes and Gurley, one will be the MVP and the other will be the offensive right. player of the year, You'll and nobody knows out. the difference between right. the two. Right. You'll bailout call. You mentioned Drew Brees. Uh, I'm fascinated by the Saints' schedule down the stretch. I mean, right now we say, hey, they're in control of the NFC, but they play the Panthers twice in 13 days with the Steelers in between. The Panthers are on the rise. They're six and two. Cam Newton could maybe be an MVP candidate. You know, the Saints could end up blowing not just the one seed, but. They're division title in the last few weeks of the season if the Panthers keep playing the way they've been playing.
1: I disagree with you as far as Cam being an MVP candidate. Um... You know, we look at him, we expect him to be, you know, inaccurate. I mean, what he's doing for his team, he's basically willing this team to victory. And it's not just him. They're running the ball, Christian McCaffrey. Um, The thing that I'm impressed with, it's not just a bunch of great athletes just playing football. They're playing as a unit. They're having fun. You've talked about Norv Turner coming in there and really changing um, the attitude
4: offensively. And and they're, they're working extremely hard. And I have to give a lot of credit to Norv Turner. He had a system that has worked, has won Super Bowls, but he said, you know what, I'm going to adjust. I've got a different type of quarterback than I'm used to. I've got a different type of running back, a small guy that can uh, get out in space. So I'm not going to pound it up there like I did with Emmett Smith and Troy Aikman in the pocket. I'm going to run some read options. I'm going to throw screens. I'm going to get everybody involved. And it's worked. It's looked beautiful. They've won five of
2: six. The Vikings have won four or five. Fascinating time right now. We know how... Uh, Basketball teams, starting with the Sixers famously, are tanking. And baseball teams are tanking. Not that teams are tanking, but it feels like you're in or you're out right now in the NFL. You've got, like, the Jags, the Raiders, the Browns, the Bills have all lost four in a row. The Giants have lost five in a row. That's a lot of teams to have that kind of a run, a month of losing in the NFL. On the flip side, Saints have won seven straight. Texans have won six straight. The Patriots, Chargers, Steelers, all those teams are on win streaks right now. So there are really a bunch of teams that have hit a stride mid-season. Who's going to carry it on through this last half?
4: And you know what? I, I hate to say this, but I, I thought this from the beginning of the year, just the way the preseason is being mm. played now that we don't know what teams have until about the, the middle of October. And some of these teams have hit their stride. Some teams have fallen behind. But the, the teams that have st- stepped on that gas pedal, they, they've been impressive. The teams that
1: can play defense and have a big physical running back. I think that 's the team going with the weather change into the, the winter time. I think that 's the team that would truly have the advantage. and, and how many times
3: us. have we seen that? We get a team around thanksgiving that 's hovering around five hundred. Yeah. They find the gas pedal. Every regular season game down the stretch is like a playoff game, so they're ready to go when the
2: postseason rolls around. That's why these win streaks are interesting, because teams are going to have to maintain that for a long run if they're in that mode, and there are about a half dozen teams that are playing like that right now.
3: Well, it's been a long run so far, but we're getting closer and closer to the end, so the football is going to get more intense down the stretch, and we'll be here with you every week the rest of the way. Thanks for some of your time
2: you can find the pftpm podcast on art 19 apple podcast stitcher and google play if you like what you hear and you will subscribe for automatic downloads leave
0: a rating and review that'll help new
2: listeners find our show and push us up the charts search pftpm for your evening update
0: from pro football talk the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up